in the fourth week of a, of a study on marriage called From This Day Forward. And so the idea is, can we do something uh, on a Sunday morning that is going to strengthen current marriages, uh, but also is there something that we can do that will help those who are not yet married make preparations today that will bless their marriages in the future? And so that's the heart behind this message. If, if you've missed the first few weeks, I'm going to kind of recap you in, in for one minute and get you caught up. So um, we're make, basically keeping, uh, making and keeping five commitments. The first one is to seek God. So we always pursue and seek the one with our two. And the most vital piece of seeking the one with your two is praying with your your spouse. The second week, we talked about how to have fun. Pastor Reed got a little PG-13, but his message is so needed. Um, intimacy, friendship, and fun, it's so vital if you really want a healthy marriage relationship. Uh, last week, we had a guest, Brad Wilkinson. He talked about how to fight fair, and so we don't fight for victory. We fight for resolution. And then today, we're talking about how to stay pure, and then next week, we will talk about never giving up. So we're going to say these out loud together, okay? Uh, all five of them, we're going to participate today, okay? So here we go. Y'all ready? We seek God, have fun, fight fair, stay pure, never give up. That is good. So, staying pure. Uh, some of the office staff is nervous about what I'm going to say because I'm the student pastor and I have free reign with a microphone. <laughs> uh, we just came off a series about dating and sex with the students, and so I've got all kinds of... I'm just kidding. All right. All right. Here we go. We are going to start off by taking a poll because... Staying pure is extremely important, but it's also like there's a lot of craziness that goes along with staying pure, okay? So I'm going to take a poll, try to get a feel for the room, okay? So feel free to participate, but listen closely, okay? <laughs> okay, here we go. So whether you're married or not, how many of you have a goal in your marriage to commit adultery? <laughs> I said we're participating today, guys. <laughs> okay, hold on. Okay, so, okay. So how many of you are like, okay, when I get married, like my childhood dream, I want to grow up, I want to marry the, the spouse of my dreams, and then behind their back, I want to be addicted to porn. <laughs> okay, okay, so let's, okay, let's lower the bar. What about this? Um, I, I'm not going to have a full affair. How about just emotional affair? Like when I, when I get married, I'm not going to go all the way. I'm just going to give my heart to somebody else. Anybody that's a goal growing up? <laughs> I have in my notes, nobody raised their hand. If somebody would have raised their hand, I don't know what I would have done, okay? But so, so nobody raises their hand, right? Like those aren't goals we have. Nobody plans to do those things. But did you know that statistically about 75% of the people in the room are going to struggle with at least one or maybe more of those things throughout the course of their marriage? And so we would all say that those things are wrong. That's not our goal. That's not our pursuit. That's not our desire. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to struggle with those things. So we have to talk about this idea of how to stay pure. Like, like we have to talk about it, okay? So Hebrews 13.4 is maybe the best verse in all the Bible just speaking about purity in marriage. Listen to what it says. It says, Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Which means this. If you are married, we honor the covenant of marriage. If you're not married, we honor the covenant of marriage. And, and what should happen with the marriage bed? The Bible says it should be kept pure, which means this. All throughout the Bible, purity matters to God, and, and then 
from so many passages in the New Testament, like purity matters in your marriage. This subject is an absolutely big deal. But we have to talk about more than adultery, but we're going to start with this idea of adultery and begin talking through some of these different things that we experience and see on a very consistent basis in our culture. So, all right, I'm going to ask you another question. It's not a trick question, okay? How many of you would say adultery is always wrong, right? Like in marriage, guys, I'm not tricking you. So listen, you would say there's not really a, a scenario where adultery would be acceptable, right? Adultery is always wrong. Raise your hand. There it is. Okay. So, so he, here's the statistics. 90% of Americans would say that adultery is always wrong. But again, the percentage of people actually committing adultery is on the rise if you kind of look at some of the statistics in the U.S. And so the question we have to ask is why is that the, the reality? Like of all these questions I've asked you, like why? Like there's got to be something driving these issues that we're seeing, not just in, you know, it's not just out there. Like we struggle with this idea in this room, in Snyder, Texas. Like, like this is a difficult thing. So the question is why? I have three reasons why um, impurity is increasing in marriage. I'll give you these three reasons. The first one is this. There are more temptations today than in the past. So it's not like we're struggling with things that, that people of the past didn't struggle with in principle. Like, like impurity and sexual immorality has always been a problem, but like in 2020, there's all kinds of new and more temptations that they didn't have, you know, a hundred years ago even. So just think about it. Social media makes it possible for people not only to talk, but to keep it hidden. And so social media becomes this, this place where these you, know, you can connect with old friends or old flames, um, and it may start out as innocent and honest and all that, but then how easy is it for us to find ourselves direct messaging people and then deleting conversations to hide it from our spouse and other people? Um, it's staggering the amount of people who get in trouble as a result of Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or TikTok. And listen, it's not that social media is bad. It's that there's something in us that wants to use that for wrong reasons, right? And so we have this at our fingertips all the time. Um, there are actual entire websites that are devoted to helping people cheat on their spouse and do it without being caught. Like that's the sole purpose for their existence. Don't Google it, okay? But it's just, just trust me on that one. Like that, that's, their, that's their reason for existence. Um, you can go to craigslist.com. You can get a good price on power tools. You can get a spare tire and you can get a prostitute. All in one convenient place, right? Like that's the world we live in. It's bizarre. Um, the biggest game changer by far has got to be smart devices, right? We, we carry our phones or our iPads with us almost 24 hours a day, which means you are just a few clicks away from finding anything you would never want to see, right? And listen, sometimes in my experience, it's like you have, you're legitimately honestly trying to search for something, and on accident, your, your phone is just all of a sudden filled with junk, right? Like our smartphones just provide opportunity for us to be tempted more than they did a hundred years ago when smartphones and the internet did not exist. So purity is difficult because there's more temptations than ever before. Um, uh, also because statistically people are getting married later in life. Now, there's nothing wrong with somebody getting married later in life, but when that tends to be the, the reality, there are certain tendencies that tend to happen. So if you get married later, that typically means you have more partners or boyfriends or girlfriends or whatever you want to call it uh, throughout your life. 
And, and the tendency is the more boyfriends and girlfriends you have, the more um, intimate you are with more people, which means when you get married, you're bringing even more baggage into the marriage relationship. In week two of this series, Pastor Reed said this statistic, and I thought it was crazy. He said, of everything you see on movies or in TV, um, 85% of the sexual interactions you see on TV and movies is between two people who are not married. And so if you think about it, our dating relationships and then what we see constantly on TV is making this idea of having multiple partners, casual partners, it's trying to make that normal in our society, right? And then not only that, but then cohabit cohabitating is, is, is increasing. And so people cohabitate before marriage. Um, and then what happens is they're basically pretending to be married when they're not. And then they wonder why it's even more painful when they break up. It's, it's because they were doing these married things even though they weren't married. And then you do that with one or two or eight or 12 or 17 people. And then you're, you're constantly breaking your heart and it's constantly ripping you apart. And, and what happens is you finally get into your marriage and you've been practicing all this stuff for all these years and then your marriage gets harder and what happens? You almost are, are going back to your default training of this isn't working, I'm out of here right? It's almost like society's training people for unfaithfulness and for divorce. Like, like the way just we, we see culture, the way we view these things, it's almost like it's setting us up for failure. In fact, the number one reason why, why people who are dating break up is because of cheating. And so what happens when you get into the marriage relationship, right? Like, amen, it, we are almost setting ourselves up for unfaithfulness, okay? So for those of you who are not yet married, listen, I'm about to, there's about to be a quote on the screen. And I just think if we could embrace this one sentence today, like I think there's a lot of good stuff coming, but like this sentence for me is a game changer. Listen to this. Whether you're married or not, you don't build the life of purity on a foundation of sin. You just don't. You don't build a life of purity on a foundation of sin, which means this. The best way to prepare for your marriage tomorrow if you're single is to live a life of purity today. Right? Right? Okay. So whether you're married or not, this idea of purity means so much, right? And, and then why is impurity so common? Number one, there's more temptations. Number two, people are getting married later. Number three, there's a growing sense of entitlement. And so I think if we just step back and just think about culture and life and the people you know, even yourself maybe, this is something that tends to characterize us as Americans, right? If I want it, I'm going to get it. If I'm not getting it in my marriage, I'm going to get it somewhere else. If she's not meeting my needs, I'm justified at looking at something that helps me feel better. If he's not meeting my emotional needs, I'll go find somebody at work because I'm going to bow down to the false, false god of happiness, right? Like it's this idea that like if I want something, I am going to go get it no matter what. I'm going to get my needs met, whether it's in my marriage or whether or not it is there or not, right? Is a growing sense of entitlement in our culture today. So there's reasons why there's impurity. So let's talk about purity, okay? So what is God calling us to do? What does it look like? Our verse in Hebrews said, the marriage bed should be kept pure. And so what does that look like? And so if we're gonna be serious about purity, if we're gonna be serious about faithfulness in our marriage, we have to talk about two aspects of purity. We have to talk about the outward that, that deals with, with our behavior and what we do and don't do, but then we also have to deal with our heart and, and how we think and how we uh, feel and our emotions and our mind. Like we've got to deal with both the outward and the inward aspect of purity. So we're going to start with this idea of outward purity for a minute, um, what we do and don't do. Listen to Ephesians 5.3. 
It says, but among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. So I want you to take a note of two words. The first one is hint. The second one is impurity. Okay, we're about to, about to kind of talk about those two things. Don't, not, let there not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity. Um, when you see that word impurity, think poison. Okay, think poison. And so how many of you are the kind of person who, like, when you eat, your food cannot touch on your plate, right? There's a couple of you. Hey, you can be, it's safe. You can be honest, okay? Nobody's going to judge you. So, like, when you hear impurity, when you see poison, don't think, my green beans touched my lasagna, so now my lasagna doesn't taste right, okay? Like, that's not what it's talking about. What it's saying is, like, hey, there's rat poison in your lasagna, and if you eat it, you're not going to make it, right? Like, it's, it's serious poison. Um, how many of you got kids? right? When you see the word impurity, it's not like, hey, my three-year-old drink after me, and now there's things floating in my drink. If you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's disgusting, but this word is way worse than that. It's like, don't drink that because there's cyanide in it. There's not floaties, there's cyanide. Like, it's deathly serious, right? So, let's play a game, okay? Because the Bible's saying, not, don't even let there be a hint. Like, don't be sexual or more, but not even a hint of sexual morality. Don't let any impurity, don't let any poison into your marriage. So we're going to play a little game, and it's, is there a hint of sexual immorality or impurity in these scenarios? Are y'all ready? Y'all love this, don't y'all? This is great. <laughs> All right, so listen. Uh, if you're married and you hook up with your secretary, hint of sexual immorality. It's more than a hint, right? Like, if you're hooking up with your secretary or the cute guy who's a trainer at the gym or the babysitter, like, yes, like, that's wrong. Like, we, we know that, right? If you're looking at pornography while you're at work, is there a hint of sexual immorality there? Yes. If you lust after whoever the hottest celebrity is right now, guy or girl, uh, is there a hint of sexual immorality there? Yeah. You never met him, you never talked to him, but there's something in your heart that's wrong, right? That's impure, that's, that's taking something out of context. Uh, how about this? If you dress provocatively in order to purposefully show off what the good Lord gave you. Hey, listen, real quick. It is not wrong to be beautiful, and it's not wrong to um, dress nice or anything like that. There's something different, though, when in our heart we're like, I want to dress like this because I want these people to notice these these physical characteristics of my body. That is totally different than wanting to dress nice or be pretty, right? Do you see the difference there? Like, like, okay, sleeping with my secretary, that's obvious, but like so easily this idea of impurity and this hint of sexual, sexual immorality gets into our heart and gets into our motives, and it becomes harder and harder and harder to, to, to figure out. I know of businessmen who, they go on business trips in the evening, they take off their wedding ring and they go to the bar. Hint of sexual immorality in that? That's some shadiness right there. Listen, what about, what about this? What about how, how, how simple is this and how easy would this be to hide? What about purposefully taking a certain route or doing certain things because you know you might end up seeing so-and-so if you do that? Right? It's like, that is so small, and nobody else may know about it, but there's something in your heart that's going this direction, and it's, you're playing with fire, right? Like, like you're taking a, it might be the tiniest step possible, but it's still a step toward sexual immorality, toward impurity. Um, I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians six eighteen. He says, listen, he says, flee from sexual immorality, right? Like flee, like, like, I mean, just as straight as he can, like don't even get close to it. There's a modern day translation of this that I wanted to share with y'all, it's this. (laughs) 
Hey, if you don't get that joke, I don't have time to explain it, okay? Talk to your parents, all right? But listen, that's what he's saying. He's saying, he's saying run, like get away from it. Flee from anything that would be poisonous. Run from impurity. Like it is so crazy, crazy serious. Jesus said it like this. He said, if your right eye caused you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. Uh, Matthew 5.30, and if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. Like is Jesus being literal when he says, gouge out your eye, and when he says, cut off your hand? Listen, I hope not. We would be one-armed cyclopses, right? Like, like we could change our name to one-armed cyclops Baptist church, because we would all be wobbling in here, right? Like, like because it's so common. Like, 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 Jesus takes the standard, and, he, and it goes so deep to where every single one of us don't meet the standard, right? Like, we all have, in our sinfulness, have these impurities. But what Jesus is saying, he's saying, you deal with that stuff severely. You don't play with it. It's like, listen, if I were to bring like a, a raging lion into this room, okay, like we would all stampede out of here. Watch, let me show you. Okay, bring it in. But hey, seriously, if we brought a raging lion into the room, we're not petting it. We're not pretending like we would win in a fight. You just got to make sure you're faster than at least one person in the room. That's all you've got to do, okay? But listen, like you don't, like there's a lion there. Like you're not going to pretend like it's not like an apex predator. Like, like you're not going to act like it's not. But then we, we dance around with sexual impurity and, and this hint. And it's like, you know, it's not that big of a deal. I just, I just searched something on Instagram. And like you play with these different things and you act like it's not going to come back and kill you one day. Right? Like the Bible never says, you know what? If you've got a little something on the side, that's fine, as long as you're mostly devoted to God and to your wife. The Bible's like, man, you flee from that junk and you pursue hard after God and the spouse that God has given you. And so the question is then, so what does this look like in real life? Okay? Like, what does this look like in real life? I'm going to give you some of the boundaries I have to try to protect myself and try to help me keep my eyes focused on Jesus and to love my wife, my wife faithfully. Some of you may think my boundaries are extreme, and I'm totally fine with that. You can think I'm extreme all, all you want. My heart and my desire is that I would be faithful to God and to my wife to the end. Like, to my dying breath, I want to be faithful to God and to my spouse. And so I've got some boundaries around me because I know the way I'm wired, and I know some of my own sinfulness, and I will derail myself. And so I've got some boundaries in place. Listen, one thing is this. I personally am never alone with a woman who's not my wife. Um, under any circumstance. I'm not in alone, not in a counseling appointment, not in traveling five minutes in a car, not in a lunch appointment. I just don't do it. I want to be above reproach there. I don't even want the temptation to ever be alone. Um, another thing is this. I have monitoring software on my phone that sends a report that keeps me accountable for what I do even when no one's around. And so here, here's what tends to happen. People are like, why is a pastor or ministry leader looking, like, wh why do they have to do that? Like, why are they vulnerable? Like, they work at a church. Like, shouldn't, like, they're married. They work at a church. Like, listen, two things. Number one, pastoral staff have issues and temptations just like anybody else. Like, that, that doesn't go away because our job is at the church. Like, that's, that's crazy talk. But listen, number two, this one's way more important, is this. I saw porn for the first time in fourth grade. That's 10 years old right? Ten years old, I saw it for the first time, and what the enemy did is he got hooks into my life, and it took a very long time for God to get the victory in that area of my life, and so what happened was, as I was doing that for all those years, I didn't know I was doing this. I mean, I was 10 when it started, but here's what I was doing. I was training my mind to objectify women and to cope with life 
by looking at junk, which means this. My default when life gets crazy is to go back to my training, and my training when life gets difficult is very, very dark, right? And so most days, it is not that big of a deal, but I know that there is a day coming when I'm going to desire what I know is gonna kill everything that I want in God and in my family. Like there's coming a day where I'm going to want that because life's gonna be difficult because I'm trained myself to go that way. And so listen, it may not be that big of a deal today, but the day is coming when temptation will hit and I want to be prepared to fight when it comes. And so I don't even want that to be an option, so I take it off the table because I know that my default is dark. Listen, you don't play with this stuff. You take it seriously. You just do. Some married people um, have a joint Facebook account just so there's no temptation, there's nothing hidden. Um, some people I know share all their passwords on everything uh, that they have access to so nothing can be hidden. Um, just for me and my wife, she has absolute freedom to look at my phone whenever she wants for as long as she wants, right? Um, she knows my passcode. She has access to every single account I have. Um, she can look at my text messages, my emails. She can look at anything she wants, and I'm not looking over her shoulder trying to, like, make sure she doesn't see. Like, I have nothing to hide, number one. Number two, I never want her to think that I have something to hide, right? And so I, I take this very, very, very seriously. Listen, some couples, not all couples, okay, not all couples, but like some couples just decide, hey, we're not going to watch, watch certain kinds of movies or shows because they tend to be sexually explicit and that just doesn't do good things for our marriage. Or like for my mind, if, if I see something on a movie or a show, it's just stuck in there. I can't get it out. And so I've got to be really careful about what I watch, even if my wife's laying beside me. And so listen, I've never seen an episode of Game of Thrones okay? I'm sure I would absolutely love the series. It has rave reviews. I just know that it is very sexually charged, and I know that I cannot handle that, and so here's my, here's my expectation, though. I plan on being married to Callie for as long as we're alive, so what, another 60, 70 years would be awesome, right? At the end of my life, if, if we can have this faithful, fuel, like, faithful, full, joyful marriage where we're best friends and we're intimate forever, like, I don't think I'm going to regret not seeing a TV show in 2019 or 20. Like, who cares? Like, how does, how does watching a TV show and being able to talk about it at work the next day compare to, to decades of faithfulness with my best friend? Like, why would I want to bring that into my mind? Why would I want to bring that into my marriage? Like, it's going to kill me. Like, it's just not worth it. And so here's my challenge to you in the room. If you're married, okay, if you're married, does your outward behavior line up with, with who you know God has asked you to be in purity? Like, does your outward behavior do it? Are you doing things that you know are going to be harmful to your heart, mind, soul? Do you know that you're doing things that are going to be harmful to your marriage? And to single people, here's another question. Is there something in your outward behavior that if you were to get married next week, you would have to change? Does that make sense? Like, if there's something in your behavior that if you were to get married next week would be unacceptable in a marriage relationship, if that's yes, like, you may be laying a foundation of sin instead of laying a foundation of purity for your future spouse one day. And I would just encourage you to take that seriously. But here's the catch, and here's what we all know is true, is this. You can look completely fine on the outside. Everybody can think that you're upstanding, but your heart can still be dark, right? 
Your heart can still be off the mark. You can still uh, lack purity on the inside. And so if we really want to be pure on the outside, you actually have to first deal with the impurity on the inside. Listen to what David said in Psalm 119. It says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word, right? So like, like, like there's something about being in the word that helps keep us on the path of purity. And then listen to how he does it, right? He says, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so if you want to honor God with your purity from the inside out, then it honestly goes back to week one. We must seek him. We seek him in prayer. We seek him in his word, and his word transforms our hearts. Um, some of you hate to read. You realize reading the Bible has nothing to do with whether or not you enjoy reading or not. Like, whether you like it or not, God has chosen to reveal himself through his word. And so when we read the Bible, it's not because we do or don't like to read. It's because we want to commune with the living God. And there's no way around that. Like, if you want a strong, vital faith and relationship with Jesus, you can't do that without being in the word on a consistent basis. And so here's what I found, okay? I'm almost done. Stick with me. Listen to this. What I've found is the closer you get to Jesus, the more you begin to love what God loves and hate what God hates. And the more you get closer to Jesus, the more he transforms your heart, right? And as he transforms your heart, the sin you used to love and crave, you begin to be repulsed by because slowly and slowly God transforms you more and more and more into the image of Christ. And you do that by being in the Word on a consistent basis. There's a lot of other things too, but you cannot do it without being in the Word. So listen, I know some of you hear this whole conversation, and it's just a struggle for you. You're thinking, like, I've messed up so bad, there's literally no hope for me. Or, or I hear you talking about from this day forward, but you seriously have no idea what I've done or where I've been. And I just have the best secret in the world to tell you. Look around the room. Look, Everybody look around. There's not a single person in this room who's lived a life of perfect purity. There's just not a person who, other than Jesus who's ever done that, okay? And so if you're thinking about all the bad stuff you've done, like you're in good company, <laughs> right? Like, welcome to the club. <laughs> but listen, in the very core of our being, like in various ways, right, like we've been unfaithful in our purity, we've been unfaithful to Jesus. The whole point of the gospel is that we're so broken, we need Jesus to die for us. Like we're so impure, we need Jesus's blood to cleanse us. And what the cross screams is that Jesus is relentlessly pursuing us even in our impurity, because he has more for us. So if you're sitting here and like your thoughts are how dirty you are, all the bad stuff that, that you have done, just know you're in good company because the only kind of people God saves is sinners, so you're eligible, right? The only kind of people God heals are those who are broken. So if you're broken, like, hey, Jesus is for you. The only people who, who, come to God are those who know they need a savior. And so if your focus right now is on your impurity, maybe it's because you've never grasped the reality that God knows your impurity better than you do and he still loves you to death. Like that's gotta sink in at some point that he knows our impurity and still loves us to death. Because here's what I am convinced of. The more we realize Jesus' love for us, to that extent, we're going to desire to live a life of honor back to him. The more we understand the depth of Jesus' love, the more we will, he will capture our hearts. And when Jesus captures your heart, you will fully understand what Jesus meant when he said he died, that you might have abundant life. 
Psalm 16 is one of my favorite songs. It basically says that, that when, like, God died to give us this abundant joy in his, in his presence at his right hand. Like, like he has so much more for us. C.S. Lewis said, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Listen, think about it. Like, what porn video com- compared to knowing God? Like, that's crazy, right? Like, what emotional affair is going to sustain you for eternity? Like, what fleeting moment of pleasure at the cost of your life is worth damaging everything you truly want down deep? This is what I tell my students all the time. And if what I just said sounds like crazy talk to you, then I'm not sure you have experienced the transforming presence and power of God himself. Maybe if being close to God doesn't sound that good, maybe it's because you can't remember the last time you truly felt his presence, his love, his nearness, because there is nothing in all the world that is as good as for when you know for a fact that you've been in the presence of the living God. There's nothing that can compare to his presence, to his nearness, to his goodness. Listen, church, purity matters. Our obedience matters. Our hearts matter. You cannot change what you've already done, but from this day forward, your life can be different because Jesus changes things. Would you bow your heads with me? If you're a Christian, I just want you to take um, inventory of your life. And I want to ask you that same question I've already asked you. Like, if you were just to survey your life, the inward and the outward, is there anything in your life that is impure? Is there a hint of immorality in there? Like, is it there? Do you see it? And my challenge for you today is this. Not that you have to be perfect or you can't mess up, but is there anybody else who loves Jesus and loves you who knows about it? Because we need other people. And one of the tools God has given us to to find healing and to grow is is this idea of the church and community. And so if you struggle with this, and so many of us do, is there anybody else that knows? And if there's not, today you might need to figure out who that person is you need to talk to and just be as honest as you can with. If you're not a believer, like what I hope you hear is this, that Colonial Hill is serious about following Jesus. The heart of this church is that we wouldn't fake our spiritual life, but that we would run hard after Jesus and experience all that he would have for us. And so if you're not a Christian, what I want you to just feel today is Jesus knows you and he loves you. Like he genuinely loves you. And if you don't know Jesus, I just want to give you a chance to respond. And so with everyone's head bowed and everyone's eye is closed, if you're not a believer, if you want to become a believer, I'm going to pray a prayer. And I just want you to repeat this prayer after me. Uh, Saying a prayer doesn't save you, but believing this in your heart is what saves you. Say something like this. Jesus, I acknowledge my sin before you. I do not have the ability to save myself or to make payment for my sin. I believe that you know and love me. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose the third day. I want my faith and trust in you. I give my life to you.